Oh, friends, I am wearing the blue and gold of the Balmy Beach Club, and you know what that means. It means I'm back from rugby practice, and this is Monday Night. It is the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. And you know the drill. We're going to get to this quick. I'm a little bit behind, not behind schedule, but I'm doing these later now that rugby practice is back on. So let's just cut right to Rob Curry and the Curry Brothers spitting real tight beats. This is Link Ray Gun. It is our theme. Link to this album is in the description. to that beauty of an album is in description you can get it on Bandcamp, and you should if you haven't already i'm adjusting my hair and my camera view it's not playing fair with my headphones but we're just gonna have to let that roll yes we are friends yes we are what's happening tonight tonight's actually i changed the plan i'd had a plan i'll show you the plan the plan has been to drink this beauty, this here, this is Truth Serum Birthday IPA from Rorschach Brewery. Rorschach celebrating, I believe the sign said their 10th birthday. Can you believe it? Time flies. 10 years? Really? I think that's what it said. I have no reason to disbelieve that. I have a lot of reason to disbelieve my memory because it's garbage. But uh, I think I remember that. Anyway, might push that off to next week, might put a little post together about it on socials just because I want to drink it. I don't know what's happening, but we're not drinking that tonight. Tonight, I am going to crack into this can right here. Now, friends, you know what that is. That is the distinctive, I would say somewhat understated and yet classy can uh, red and white of Czechvar lager from the Czech Republic. This is a Pilsner. What a beauty. Um... So it was Budvar, most of the rest of the world, just not anywhere where Budweiser's widely sold. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. I could go on about the ridiculousness of that, but that would just be a waste of my time and yours. There's plenty of people who've gone on about that. What I'm about to go on is something that a lot of people have also gone on about, but which you cannot hear too often to be reminded of. But first of all, let me have a sip of this delicious beer. By the way, I'm drinking it out of the can. Deal with it. That first beer after rugby practice is real nice. To be clear, I was coaching, not playing myself. My rugby practices are Tuesdays and Thursdays. I coach on Mondays and Wednesdays. And before you ask, yes, that's a lot of rugby. And it's, it's um, in, in some ways quite exhausting and in most other ways quite gratifying. Highly recommend. Mm. Second sip's pretty good, too. Not going to lie. Man, I like this beer a lot. Anyway, you know about this beer, at least you should, if you're a regular listener to this here show, because it's a beer that I enjoy, and a beer whose um, Canadian homage, uh, produced by Godspeed Brewing, I'm also just madly in love with. Uh, so what do you need to know about this beer? It's exactly what it should be. Beautiful sauce hops, nice crackery malt, uh, super clean, beautiful. A perfectly constructed Pilsner. Cool. What do you eat with it? 
anything you want goes great with pizza. Uh, goes great with mussels. Goes great with spicy food. Goes great with hot dogs. Have a two-dogger lager. Ben Johnson isn't even here yet, and I'm already quoting him. How about that? Uh, eat whatever you want with this. Goes good with cheese. It's great. See, we're done the uh, the normal part of the podcast. Now we're getting to the PSA part. Bear with me. I say that. Don't bear with me. Listen up. Stuff's important. If you follow me on the social media, or if you are involved, at least in a tangential way with the brewing uh, scene, let's say, you may well be aware that the Brewers Association down in uh, our neighbor to the south, our, you know, louder, larger neighbor, I'll just leave it at that, uh, they just had their annual uh, uh, conference, the CBC, the Craft Brewers Conference, historically a very popular event uh, and 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 presently very well attended uh, event, a conference of all things craft beer. Now, if that's all you know about the past week or so, don't worry. I'm going to fill you in. If, on the other hand, you were also following all of the fallout from that uh, that that conference, uh, that's what we're talking about tonight. And uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be able to speak to other people's experiences because they are their own. Uh, but there are multiple aspects of the conference that I can speak to and uh, and which I plan to. And also um, just the entire situation around what happened at the conference. Hey, what's up, Justin? Um, pardon me. So. A lot of people will know there was a big um, social media storm, let's say, particularly surrounding a friend of the pod and dear friend of mine, Ren uh, Navarro, and her personal experience at CBC, which, as I say, is not my business, not my story to tell. Um, uh, I've got some knowledge of what went down and uh, both from Ren and from from secondary sources. Uh, but the most important thing is that uh, Ren was very explicit that she had a horrific experience at the conference from uh, multiple uh, different factors. And um, it's not up for us to uh, uh, interrogate that and decide whether or not uh, we agree that her uh, experience uh, was somehow good or bad or whatever. Um, believe people. That's that's the first part of today's PSA is believe people. So if somebody says, I had a terrible experience at this thing, don't go, well, tell me about it. I want to see if it's really actually terrible to me. If from where I'm sitting, it sounds terrible, then I'll agree with you. No, take people at face value. If somebody you know and respect says something happened, the extent of what you should follow up with is, I'm so sorry, and is there anything you need me to do to help this situation get better? That should basically be the end of the, that part of the conversation. That said, there were multiple other problems with the Craft Brewers Conference uh, this year, other than the fact that at least Ren and we know actually now from, again, if you follow social media, multiple people had similar experiences to Ren. Let's talk about the first really big problem and something that I can speak to. 
because it was something I was aware of before the conference started. It's something that um, doesn't directly impact me insofar as I didn't go to the conference, but it certainly would have if I had. And um, it's something that just seems incredibly bloody minded and boneheaded and really easy to fix. And yet they didn't. And that is, of course, where the conference took place. The conference this year was hosted in Nashville, Tennessee, a city I have been to, but not in a long time, like since I was a child, and I didn't spend much time there when I was there. It was really just passing through. Now, I know from many friends' experiences, Nashville is a pretty happening town. Uh, nothing but, no, that's not true. I was going to say nothing but positive reports from Nashville. That's not true. But Nashville, especially for a southern city, very cool city, wicked music scene, fantastic bars, breweries, and of course, Nashville fried chicken, which if you eat chicken, is a big deal. So, in a vacuum, that's maybe not a bad place to host a craft brewers conference because it's got a cool happening beer scene. However, Nashville is in a state called Tennessee. I don't know if you're familiar with Tennessee, but Tennessee in uh, particularly the past year or so, but for a prolonged period has as a state been very happy to uh, pass laws or bylaws or other government ordinances or whatever. Uh, very specifically to uh, basically make the lives of 2SLGBTQI people worse. They are one of the many states that uh, has been very vocal and leading the charge, really, in uh, bathroom laws. I used air quotes if you aren't watching the video on that. Uh, these are rules around who gets to use what bathroom, which is the sort of problem only a straight scared white person would probably dream up. Um, and, and here's the reason why. If you are a trans person using the bathroom of your preference, as opposed to the bathroom that suits your uh, sex that was assigned at birth, your biological sex that was assigned at birth, A, probably the last thing on your mind is the opportunity to ogle people in the bathroom. Uh, because stop for a minute and think about that. In a completely cis hetero situation, is a bathroom the place you want to go to go creeping around looking at people of the, the gender that you are sexually attracted to? Is that what does it for you? And I know there are people for whom maybe that is what does it for them. I feel like it's probably safe to say that those people are probably not in the majority and maybe even in a small minority. Um, so right out of the gate, a bit of a weird thing to worry about. And then beyond that, where the problem really lies for the most part is with trans women using women's bathrooms, because people will say there's a man in this here bathroom now. I've used a women's bathroom in the past, a public one, uh, a few different times. Sometimes it's because I've been in a space where there were 
know people who identified as needing to use that bathroom. And so all the bathrooms were just open for whatever use. I've also done it in a situation as a younger fella because somebody had just come out and said there's nobody in there and there's a lineup at that one. So I just nipped in and used that bathroom. Regardless, maybe you're a dude, a, a person who identifies as male and you've never used a women's bathroom, but there are no urinals in a women's bathroom. Um, and pretty much the part of going to the bathroom where you disrobe to some extent is done in a stall that has a door that closes. If you're walking around the bathroom with your pants down, I kind of got to feel like you're doing it wrong. Anyway, we don't need to get too deep into bathroom laws. Tennessee's big on them. They really want people to use the bathrooms of the sex they were assigned at birth. And that's stupid and really is just sticking a finger in the eye of a group of people who have it the worst out of pretty much everybody and just makes trans people's lives harder than they have to be, not easier. But there's a whole host of other things. It's a state not known for being particularly friendly to uh, queer people. Uh, and and certainly it's a state where and to be I was going to say fair to the state. Nope, that's probably too generous. But bearing in mind that one of the reasons why the state acts this way is because a lot of people in the state, possibly a majority, but mm, polling would have to be trusted maybe a little bit more than it, it, it is to make that statement. But the point is, it's because a lot of people there agree with that stupid nonsense. So if you're hosting really an international conference. The Brewers Association is an American entity, but they do have people who come from all over the world to go to this conference. If you are hosting an international conference, and if you have a value statement, which the BA does, which says that you uh, acknowledge and uh, affirm people of all gender and sexual identities... And that as an organization, you will prioritize everyone's safety and security. You can't then host a conference in a state that has laws that actively make life hard and or dangerous for a specific group of people. It doesn't work that way. Right. It would be a little bit like saying we're holding the conference underwater. And if you can't breathe underwater, good luck. Hope you make it. Uh, we won't be providing oxygen. <laughs> we won't be explaining why we decided to hold this conference underwater in the hopes that everybody can breathe underwater. We just are. So that was stupid and boneheaded. That said, attention was drawn to this well in advance of the conference and the Brewers Association did have an opportunity to say something that maybe would have helped the situation along the lines of, well, we do try to move the conference from East coast to West coast to Southern United States in a cycle because as a national 
organization. We feel it's important to have the conference be in different parts of the country and blah, 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 blah. And that's probably not actually a great excuse, but at least that would have provided some framework. And then they could have said something along the lines of, and as an organization, we disagree with the laws and the, let's be honest, just cultural norms that are in place in this place that make life harder or dangerous for certain members who of our group that will be attending. That would just that I mean, that would be I hate to say it very easy to do. Uh, however, they refused to do that on the grounds that they are, quote, not a political organization, which is odd because they already have said that in their values statement. So either they were a political organization when they made their values statement and have decided not to be a political organization anymore, or stating that isn't a political statement. It's a values statement, and it reflects the values of the organization. This is the sort of thing that I think that um, like junior high teachers have to explain to, let's be honest, children um, that uh, your previous actions will always be held up to your present actions. And if you've done something and demonstrated an ability or an understanding previously to then try and act now like you don't is just really easy to call bullshit on. And so a lot of people called bullshit on it. And it's very frustrating that they insisted that, no, we're not going to make any comments. And basically, uh, our value statement has no value because we, we've said these things. They posted it at the conference, but then they refused to actually live that value statement. Funny enough, our friend Ren was there partially to talk about uh, DEI, which is diversity uh, equality and, oh, I should know it, <laughs> inclusion. Uh, you really don't want to put yourself on the spot like that. I need to sip a beer for that. But within that, specifically talking about developing a value statement that is consistent with the actual values of your organization and then how to live those values, not just to make a fun poster that you stick up and then point to anyone ever any point to anytime anyone ever asks you, oh, what are your other uh, that right there? Um, top secret. I don't know if Ren even says this, but I sure hope she does. When you write a value statement for your brewery or bar or whatever you do involved with the beer scene and post it, nobody should ever go, oh, that's weird. That that third point, oh, I wouldn't have thought that that was how they felt about that. Or I, I don't think that's consistent with the way they've acted up until this point. Your value statement should just be clarifying in a simple to read way what you already live and do. Right. It's your value statement is not aspirational. <laughs> your value statement should just be a simplified reflection on what you already do. And, and to be fair, the simplified part is so that somebody can very quickly read it and decide whether or not you're the kind of organization they want to be involved with. So, for instance, you might read the value statement at Left Field Brewery, 
which is clearly posted, which reflects the lives they live as an organization. You might read that and think, no, I am afraid of of trans people and I don't want to be in a place that doesn't have very firmly policed gendered bathrooms. So I'm going to take my business to a different place where transphobia is welcomed. Um, That's sort of the point. (laughs) Now, hopefully that doesn't happen because hopefully you read that sign and you're just a sane, normal, calm person who goes, yeah, that's fine. Even to the point where you don't even have to necessarily agree with all the values they espouse uh, because we're adults. But certainly when it comes to things like that, you have to treat everyone with equal respect and care, uh, regardless of what they believe versus what you believe. um, That's just again, this is stuff that we teach children, Um, except maybe not enough, because there seems to be a generation of people who miss that lesson. Very frustrating. Anyhow, I need another sip of beer. Anyhow, that was the start of the problems. The next big problem that happened at the Brewers Association Craft Brewers Conference uh, was a specific session. So if you've never been to an event like this, uh, there's like a, a, a trade show. It's it's like a you know huge hall. Breweries are there, glassware providers, service people, all sorts, anything involved with the industry uh, so they can promote their their business. There's a lot of beers to be drank, I'm told. I've never been. But there are also uh, professional uh, growth sessions, seminars um, about all sorts of things. As I say, Ren was there to teach about DEI and specifically value statements. Um, there's all sorts of different things happening. And, and obviously, if you want to present at a uh, festival like this, they might approach you if you're a known person and say, would you be interested in uh, coming to the conference and, and presenting? However, you can also contact the, the conference uh, yourself and submit. I would like to uh, present. I I am a person who, because of X, Y, and Z, has uh, expertise in this particular area. And I would like to present on that. I feel like it would add value to the conference. Typically what happens is the conference will have a panel uh, of people who review applications. Uh, There might be dialogue. There might be an interview process. They might ask to see some of your uh, material, whatever. And then they decide and they build a schedule of the seminars that will take place. And uh, if you're selected, you present your seminar and it's a, you know, opportunity for other people to learn from your knowledge. Fantastic. Uh, One of the seminars was called, um, privilege as your leadership superpower, which hopefully sets off some alarm bells when you hear that or read it, which is how I first came across it. I I read the, the title and I very charitably thought, well, there is a bit of truth in that people who have privilege, often based on their gender identity or their race, um, if they aren't using their position to make life better for marginalized people, then that's not okay. Um, so again, charitably, I thought maybe that's the direction we're heading here. Um, but a huge piece of that 
is understanding, especially in North America, when we're talking about privilege and we're talking about privilege in this context, we're mainly talking about race and to a slightly lesser extent, we're talking about gender. So we're probably mainly talking about white men here, uh, particularly straight white men. Uh, although, to be fair, sexual orientation can be a little bit harder to spot <laughs> just when you walk past somebody in the street. Uh, not 100 percent, but it can be a lot harder to spot. So <laughs> we're mainly talking about straight white men and to some extent straight white women. And the thrust of the conversation was, oh, well, it's up to you who you hire. So you can just make sure you're hiring in an inclusive way, which, uh, no, I mean, yes, but that's not the point. The point is your superpower. If you have privilege is not being the good white person who's willing to hire a couple of people who aren't white or a couple of people who aren't straight the point of, I mean, the, the point of looking into DEI initiatives, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion, and especially around race. It isn't enough for white people to simply allow non-white people to exist in their space. And it isn't enough for white people to say, oh, I'm taking an interest in their culture in understanding who they are and what makes them tick. That's also not enough. And often people will be like, that's a good step. It's not. It's it's <laughs> it's very there's a very binary line. And if you're on that side of it, you're not doing enough. What doing enough looks like is deconstructing the power systems that give you that privilege. And that's a real, real hard thing to swallow. Because when the title of your seminar is privilege as your leadership superpower, the actual answer to that is literally you have to give that privilege up. You have to build systems where that privilege doesn't exist. The superpower that they're talking about is something that you have to give up. That's the superpower, right? And it's not a superpower. It's 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 really hard. And, and it should be like unlearning this stuff is painful and uncomfortable. And going to a seminar that says it's OK that you have all this privilege. Just use it to make sure some black folks get a job is the sort of bullshit that white people tell each other so they don't have to do the hard work. OK, so that's a problem. Incidentally, and I can't speak to this, but from my reading from other breweries, that session wasn't even properly vetted. It was like they allowed it in without going through the usual board review process. So like, I don't even know how that happens. I've, I've actually been involved on the planning side of professional conferences like that. And it just it boggles the mind to think that anyone would have let that happen. Anyway, that also happened. As noted, our friend Ren and others have stated that at multiple times during the conference, they felt unsafe. They felt unseen. They felt undervalued. They felt quieted if they tried to speak out about what they were feeling. And as I stated at the beginning, what's the response to that? Believe those people. Don't ask them for proof. 
don't question their experience. Accept that it happened, believe them, and move forward with it. And then, lastly, obviously, there was blowback. I was part of it. Mainly asking the Brewers Association to reconcile what happened with their to their value statement. You state X and Y is what happened. What happened there? Is is your does your value statement need to be updated? Is it out of date? Uh, is it a meaningless piece of paper that you have no intention of ever living up to? Is it just a performative piece of white guilt? What's the deal? Why did these things happen, which are all counter to your value statement? Which, by the way, nobody made you write, right? Nobody made you write that. Why did these things happen when you've explicitly said these are the things that won't happen? And probably most frustratingly is... um, the Brewers Association did what uh, many uh, organizations uh, that are in similar situations do, which is batten down the hatches, don't answer any questions. If comments get too spicy, turn off commenting and delete everything. Worse than that, the people who did respond partially were other people saying, yeah, I agree. What the hell happened there? And the exact opposite, which was, I mean, literally homophobic, racist assholes who are all also members of the Brewers Association piling back on and telling everyone who was complaining, basically, uh, and I'm being charitable here, that they disagree. I specifically had an interaction with a person who uh, was, I'm assuming, oh, no, no, pardon me, I actually saw but based on an earlier comment that they posted, I'm going to go with he. I'm pretty sure it was a he uh, <laughs> that. Uh, sorry. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that it's a he because I was scrolling through his feed. I'm, uh, it, there was one male dude who kept coming up in all the photos and I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, stated uh, uh, <laughs> that. um Wanted to know if the pronouns that I put in my bio on my Instagram were my boyfriend's pronouns or the pronouns he told me to use, which is an interesting logical jump. Uh, Let me know based on, I mean, I'm sure just a very brief scroll of my uh, Instagram feed that um, I don't know anything, me personally, don't know anything about brewing or the brewing industry. And and this was an interesting one because I didn't know he was the gatekeeper of the brewing industry, um, that I am not welcome in the brewing uh, industry. He then suggested that I should find the nearest white man, which incidentally is me, uh, and thank him for everything I have and that I should now leave. And then he called me a groomer, which I'm assuming was a transphobic Uh, reference, but I'm not sure about that one. Uh, Not entirely. Um, Now, what was interesting about that comment, uh, (laughs) I mean, there was a lot that was interesting about that comment. What was very interesting about that comment was how long it stayed public on the Brewers Association's uh, social media feed. Now, I can't remember the Brewers Association's 
social media following is in like the hundreds of thousands, I think, which I know maybe sounds like a lot, but in um, social media is like nothing uh, like a single person can manage multiple social media accounts that are in the hundreds of thousands. It's not rocket science, um, especially if that person's younger than the age of 30. So just a heads up there, Brewers Association. Now, maybe it's possible they have some crusty old stupid white man who's running the social media feed uh, who still uses an AOL email address. And hey, that would actually probably explain a lot about how the social media shenanigans went down. But that comment stayed live like for over 24 hours. Uh, that individual and some others posted similar uh, uh, and by similar, I mean uh, homophobic, racist, often transphobic comments on other people's uh, uh, posts um, across the Brewers Association uh, social media pages. Uh, and in all cases, and again, remembering that the Brewers Association value statement made very clear that they want to create a safe space for people of all uh, gender identities and sexual orientations. Just put a pin in that. Uh, they did nothing to fix these comments. At, at the very simplest, if it's your social media account and somebody comments on it, literally all you have to do to delete the comment is swipe it and it goes away, gone. When you do that, you do then get the opportunity to say, block the user who posted the hateful comment, uh, report them, <laughs> top secret, don't report anything to Instagram. All they're ever going to tell you is they don't have enough staff to fix the problem. So, but you know, it's, it's nice to follow the, uh, <laughs> the chain of command as it were, but that's all it takes. Funny enough, if you follow my social media, especially the Toronto Beer Podcast social media, I'll leave the I'm paying $5,000 to and DM pick to Toronto community, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't care about that stuff. It comes up. People are used to it. It's just spam. But if people post hateful things, uh, yeah, they just get deleted and blocked. And, and it happens in a heartbeat. And if I miss it, which has never actually happened in this context... But if I miss it and if it stayed up for an un unusual amount of time, not only would I delete it and, and block the person, but I would then post and say, this just came across my bow. I noticed it. I'm very sorry for how long it was up. It goes against my values in this way and this way and that way. And therefore, it's been removed, as will all other comments that go against the values that I espouse. Again, Value statements should just be a simplified list of the things you already do. And unfortunately, what we learned about the Brewers Association is that their value statement does not mean that. Their value statement are a bunch of words that they've put on a piece of paper to try and assuage the feelings of people like me who care about value statements. But the problem is they have no intention of actually living up to those value statements. And I know people will be like, well, what about, what about, what about? it doesn't matter. You can argue hypotheticals. You can give me past examples where they have. I can give you an immediate, very recent example where they very publicly refused to live up to the values that they've put in their value statement. So that statement is meaningless. And what's really funny is unless they address the fact that this happened and do something to try and 
apologize and move forward. Continuing on now living up to the value statement won't change the fact that there was this glaring deficiency. And you know what? Mistakes as an organization happen. Okay, mistakes as an individual happen. I have said things without thinking and realize sometimes as I'm saying them, this is not an okay thing to say. And you feel terrible and you apologize. You if if it's, you know, in a in a situation where you can do it, you retract the statement. But it's on you to apologize and to show with your actions moving forward that that was an aberration, that was a misstep, that was a mistake. Simply covering your ears and saying, I can't hear you, and then acting however you feel like the next day shows that, again, those values that you are saying are yours are not. They're just words. They're words that have no action behind them. So, after I have a sip of beer... We're going to wrap this up with the moral of the story. One second. It's a tasty beer, as it should be. Here's the moral of the story, and it sucks to say this. And I've actually said this in other places and had people tell me I'm being melodramatic. But I assure you, I am not. The moral of the story is... If you are not a cisgendered, straight, white man, just assume that if you go to an event sponsored by the Brewers Association in America, you are not safe, regardless of what they say, regardless of what they put on posters, regardless of what they put on their social media. They have demonstrated that they will not protect people who are at risk in their environment. Like, this is just historical fact now. They will not do it. And that sucks, and that needs to change. But until it does, do not put yourself at risk. Now, you're probably looking at me or listening to me and thinking, easy enough to say, Chris, white guy, privilege, etc. And... You're 95% right. You're probably 95% right. I am a 42-year-old white man who lives in a very affluent neighborhood, in a very affluent city, in a fairly affluent country. I tick a lot of boxes. I am cisgendered. I identify as the biological sex I was assigned at birth. What you may or may not know about me is that I'm not straight. I'm queer. I've been in a long-term heterosexual relationship with my beloved wife, who I love more than anything. I have no history or intention of living outside of that relationship. I want to die first. (laughs) I don't know if Eric is still watching, but that would just make my life a lot easier. (laughs) But I realized as a as a grown ass man, something that funny enough, my beautiful wife, who's known me since I was like 13, knew forever, which is I'm not straight. Um, Labels have always been hard for me. Like, I don't like using the term Christian to define my religious faith, because I just find when you use a term like that, people 
automatically have a bunch of things that they go, oh, you said this, so it means this, 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 and this. Uh, the best description for me, uh, aside from queer, which is what I like to use because it just means I ain't straight, uh, is pansexual. Pansexual to me, I feel like one of the things that people often assume is like, oh, so you're just into transgendered people? And it's like, no. It pretty much means you're into everybody. And uh, that's accurate. Um, which is to say, I, I know of people who are cisgendered men, cisgendered women, transgendered men, transgendered women, non-binary people who uh, either in a fairly superficial way, I can look at and be like, that person's all right. That person's attractive. Or who in a deeper way, I can be like, I don't even know this person that well, but I could be into that person. They're an interesting, attractive person. Um, but it's easy enough just to go with queer. Now, as noted, long-term heterosexual relationship. I am what we call a straight presenting queer person, which means tons of people don't know. Tons of people who know me at least somewhat well might not even realize that's the situation. Which, funny enough, is easier on me. Um, I made a comment to Ren specifically about the guy who I described his comment to me. And I said, uh, I can just laugh that sort of comment off. Because on the one hand, I know for a fact, if that guy happened to be in a person-to-person -person social situation with me and said that sort of stuff to me without maybe realizing that I was standing right there, like the context is a little weird, but that basically if it, if it became a physical altercation, hey, that guy could be huge and maybe that guy could kick my ass, but he'd get hurt doing it. And that wouldn't worry me <laughs> that guys like that tend not to be the biggest, toughest guys in the room. They t actually tend to be the biggest wusses who, uh, you know, basically roll over uh, the instant uh, it becomes evident that they're about to get punched in the face. It's like Mike Tyson said, by the way, not too often you're gonna catch me <laughs> quoting Mike Tyson, uh, but Mike Tyson very famously once said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Uh, that's sort of applicable to that this type of person. But the other thing that I can laugh about it is because I don't have to deal with this on a regular basis. I don't typically get uh, hate-filled comments on my social media. Um, which, I, I mean, n nobody should. <laughs> uh, but it just means that I don't have that weight of just constantly having people hate me publicly. Uh, because... A lot of people who probably would don't realize it, which says more about them than anything, but I digress. It makes it easier on me to be able to laugh, block the person. Sometimes I'll troll them back, but as I'm getting older, I don't even bother with that. I just... The best thing you can do is ignore the person and, and not give them oxygen for that fire. You block them, you report them, you call it a day. But because of that... Uh, Sorry, not but, but, but because of that, I don't have to deal with this on a super regular basis. But what it means is when I do, I'm not doing this from some sort of, like, activist point of view. Uh, I, I'm not doing it in some performative way. I'm doing it because I'm protecting my own interests, right? Uh, this, particularly around where they hosted it, and then the comments that people were making after the fact, 
directly impact me, right? The fact that they, as an organization, did things that hurt and made my friends feel unsafe, that's second degree. I, I hate it, and it shouldn't happen. But the impact on that is that I see people who I love being negatively impacted, and that bothers me. But where they hosted it, if I had been an attendee, that impacts me directly. What they do with the people who comment on their pages, particularly around homophobia, that's directly impacting me. And that's not okay. Like, none of it's okay. But that's why... I, that's why I've just spent 43 minutes and 59 seconds of which I think I spent three talking about this beer ranting about this problem. And that's also why I'm not being performative and I'm not being dramatic telling you that if you like me don't tick every single box that makes it okay with the Brewers Association, assume that they are not going to take care of you, right? Assume that who you are, who you identify as, is not going to be honored by them. That they will use words and print media that will disagree with their actual actions on the ground. Don't trust what the Brewers Association tells you about their values. They are lying, and we know it because they've demonstrated it. We don't need to question it anymore. They've very explicitly demonstrated that they are lying about their values. So that's the point of this show. As a Canadian, as a non-member of the Brewers Association, I wish I could say that we don't have the same problems here with other trade organizations. I'm not going to point fingers because I haven't had any specific interactions with any of them here. I can tell you one of them in Canada immediately glommed onto Ren's story and started using it themselves, ostensibly in her honor, but in a way that basically made the experience about them and whitewashed the entire experience. So that's not okay. But don't for a minute think that we don't go through the same problems here. And we've talked about this as well. Look to the stories that uh, Aaron from Little Beasts put on her social media. You can look them up. She's saved them. There's dozens of stories of, of sexual misconduct within the brewing industry. There's also discussion about trans and homophobia uh, in addition to sexual violence in, in those stories. It's here, too. And we need to be pointing it out, and we need to be being honest about it when we see it. For the sake of this app, we're just talking about Craft Brewers Conference and about the Brewers Association. And the thing to remember is the Brewers Association lies. They state values that they don't live, so don't believe them. And hey, consider your involvement in their events going forward, particularly if you are a person for whom your identity will make you unsafe and unwelcome at their events. That's what I got to say about the Brewers Association. Are there events coming up this week? Possibly. Probably. Look it up. The internet exists. I'm going to have another beer. I'm going to go relax with my family and probably not think about the Brewers Association for the next two hours. And then I'll go to bed and we can wake up and do it all again. And, uh, yeah. Let me know your thoughts. <laughs> have you ever felt unsafe at a 
brewery event or a brewing event, feel free to reach out. I'm all ears. And other than that, take care of each other out there, please. Especially if you are not a person who is marginalized based on your gender, sexual, racial identity. Uh, should also include physical ability. Ableism is a very real thing that we struggle with. If for whatever reason you are a person who doesn't have anything that makes you <laughs> worried about being in public spaces, I bet you know somebody who does. In a non-performative way, reach out and check in on people. Offer your support, offer your love. You don't have to offer solutions. You don't have to offer insights. Ask how people are doing and listen. And if appropriate, ask how you can help. That will mean the world to people. It really will. Be good to each other out there. It's not a fun world, especially if you're not a straight white dude. So take care of each other. I'm going to be back next week. Maybe we'll do that birthday IPA. Maybe we'll do something else. Hopefully we don't have to do this again. But know that we're probably going to have to do it again in the not too distant future. Might be about a different topic. Might be about the same. In the meantime, Rob Curry and the Curry Brothers, they're still banging songs out. Check out Curry's recording on Instagram. Some exciting photos coming down the pike. I'm wondering, maybe we're going to get a new theme song. But that's not why they do it. I just leech on. And they're generous and wonderful people. Anyway, this is the Curry Brothers. Link to buy this record's in the description. Be really good to each other out there. And uh, if you're upset or offended by what I said about the Brewers Association, you go right ahead and never listen to my podcast again. I promise you, you won't miss me, and I will not miss you. Everyone else, I'll talk at you in a week. Bye.